Hey, what is up? You're listening to the All Pacers Pod, a podcast for Pacer fans, by Pacer fans. I'm your host, Jack. And today I'm going to be joined again by my brother, Tyler, who is a student at Butler University, which is perfect for today because we are interviewing Simos Lukosius from Butler. He was a standout player last season in his freshman year from Lithuania for all you Demonis Sabonis fans out there. But an awesome player, kind of a uh, Swiss Army knife type of guy. And I'm really excited for this interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. But before we get to it, I just want to remind everyone, go listen to some of our um, other podcasts that are available on the All Indie Sports Network of Podcasts. We just had Shelvin Mack on recently on this podcast, but you can also find recent player interviews on Blue Butts Hoops, which is hosted by Will and his uh, dad. I guess he calls him Coach Chris on the podcast. Love that uh, dynamic between the two of them, though. Go check that one out. Sal has the Playbook podcast. If you don't know Sal, he's the guy who's running all dot pacers on Instagram right now. They've covered all of the NBA playoffs, and they're going to be doing a lot of draft stuff as well. Um, so go check that one out. And then we got the Colts Corner podcast as well. I mean, that one's going to get hot real soon. I don't know if you guys are doing fantasy football at all. Um, I'm really liking some of these draft picks that the Colts made this year. Jaylani Woods, Alec Pierce, and I've learned a lot about those guys and more from the Colts Corner podcast. Those guys are super knowledgeable. And... As always, we're brought to you by Jack Brown Videography. I hate saying that because it's my own videography business, but that's who's paying for this podcast and podcast platform. So Jack Brown Videography, a Louisville, Kentucky wedding videographer, Louisville, Kentucky and beyond, I guess. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this interview. We're going to be talking about the NBA draft too at the end of this. Um, it might just be me. We'll see what Tyler's plans are, but stay tuned for after. But for now, let's talk to CMOS. Alright, so now we got CMOS here. Tyler uh, made his way in uh, the recording room as well. But we got CMOS from Butler University joining us now. CMOS, how's it going, man? It's going good, guys. Hello. Hello, everyone. You're the third Butler, former or current Butler player we've had now. So we've interviewed Shelvin Mack, um, Miles Tate recently, who's one of your teammates currently. We're actually going to ask you a question in a bit about a 1v1 tournament, and I'll share his answer with you as well. But uh, let's just go ahead and kick things off. We like to ask all of our guests this now. It became a thing on our Blue Buds Hoops college podcast. Who is your basketball goat and why? Greatest of all time. Uh, I mean, I'll say Michael Jordan. Uh, I feel like why? I mean, I've, ne I never, I've never seen him play live because I was born basically when he, when he retired. Uh, but I grew up on watching, you know, NBA TV, which was all Michael Jordan, Larry Bird highlights. And, uh, you know, just watching YouTube, he would usually be the, the first name I, I look up. And also, you know, asking my dad about it, too. So you, that, I think that's how I decided he's my goat. And then also, I, I wasn't a really big fan of LeBron growing up. So I can't give him the number one spot. Yeah, is that okay? Correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, wrong, Jack. But we have not had someone say LeBron yet, have we? Or no, have we? Um, Shelvin, one? Shelvin Mack. Shelvin said, Mack said LeBron. Okay, but we mostly it's been Michael Jordan, right? It's been almost all Michael Jordan. So, 
Uh, I'm Michael Jordan as well. Jack, you are too, I think. I'm kind of floating. I think a couple more years, Lance Stevenson peak. (laughs) Maybe he's the GOAT. I got my my Lance Stevenson jersey on, actually. Number six. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice one. I, like, my favorite players growing up, it's kind of like an era thing. You know, like, Jermaine O'Neal, Reggie Miller. Well, Reggie first, then Jermaine O'Neal is my favorite player. And then it kind of transitioned into, I don't even know, maybe like Roy Hibbert. I hate to say Paul George now. It probably was Paul George. But, you know, it kind of transitions over the years. Who are some of, I have here top five favorite players all time. Like, who are your top five? But if there are eras too, I'd love to hear that. I want to say I even have a top five because growing up, I, I never really had a favorite player. Like, right now, since maybe 2015 or 16, Luca is my favorite player. That's the first time in my life that I ever had, like, a clear answer to that question. And before that, I would, like, switch every week, basically. I like Dirk because, uh, I don't know, a European guy. I like I liked Dallas, too, and uh, he was my mom's favorite player. So I guess that was the closest to a favorite player I ever had. But, yeah, since 2015, 16, when he played in, in Europe, it's, it's, it's been Luka. So you say Luka. Is that one of the players you've modeled your game after over the years? And are there other players as, as well? I mean... I don't like to say model because it's not like, you know, I, I, I saw him play and then consciously try to recreate how he plays. I, f- I feel like the reason he's my, he was my favorite player is because I saw some of myself in him. So maybe that's why the similarities come from. But in terms of modeling my game, uh, I don't limit it to like one player. If, you know, I see anybody do a, a nice move or do something interesting, uh, I'll, I'll try to do it myself. It doesn't matter who that player is. It can be Luca. It can be, you know, Boban. <laughs> Yeah, love it. So I actually agree with you 100%. I've never modeled my game after anybody. I probably should have because I'm not the best basketball player. But if someone asks me, you know, what type of player I am, I always give them the same answer. And I've said it a million times on this podcast, but I always say I'm like a 75% Dion Waiters mixed with like a Boris Diaw 25%, but like just his body type, but low post mentality. I look, I'm maybe six foot, but man, that low post mentality is there. That's the only flaw in my game was I never got the height, you know, <laughs> but the irrational confidence of Dion waiters. Yeah. If I miss 10 shots and pick up, I'm still shooting. I'm probably still the best shooter. At least that's how still I still shooting, shooting a lot. Let's, let's, let's make that clear real quick. Shooting a lot. So I say that to ask, do you like have any kind of answer in that kind of realm? You know? maybe percent maybe like you have you, you've modeled like a step back off of the way that Luca does his move or you know he's kind of like a herky-jerky type of player have you tried to steal any of those moves from guys you know mm, I mean it's hard to say of course the step back I mean but almost I guess firstly Harden was the one doing it so that's how you know everybody started doing it but uh some moves of course I know I can definitely I, I can definitely name like you know the crossover into a step back that Luca does. Uh, I definitely got that from him, and uh, I can't really tell you like more specific moves. It just I don't know. I just do it naturally without really thinking about it. So that's why it's hard to like recall it and you know to say it. You know we we mentioned NBA players, but I want to talk about some of your early inspirations. I saw or I read online that your dad's a basketball coach. You did you grow up in Lithuania, um, and then was he your coach throughout? You know your basketball career 
No, he's a he's a men's basketball coach. So I, I grew up mostly in Lithuania, but I had maybe like periods of like a year or two living in a foreign country because he coaches over there. But that was when I was really young. The last time I lived somewhere else was when I was seven years old. So uh, I didn't really tra travel that much when growing up. And uh, uh, in terms of coaching me, it would be like, you know, before school, work, get up and go work out just one-on-one. -on -one. But he never coached a team that I played on or something like that. It would just be, you know, individual coaching and advice, basically. That's cool. So was he one of your early like biggest inspirations in basketball then definitely yeah was there anyone else that kind of played a part in getting you to where you are today i'd say until i got to until i got to germany not really i feel like most of the most of the development i had was was because of my dad and uh and myself because back in lithuania the the coaching i, I had I, I don't really think of it as that's something that you know supplied me with the tools that i'm using right now so i'd, I'd give all, all the credit to my dad uh that's a good segue though into uh your pro basketball time in germany can you just kind of talk about some of the experiences that you got from playing there yeah of course well you know i i played uh the year before i came to butler i played in the first league of germany so that's you know one of the best leagues in the world like you know obviously it's nba and then your league but your league is made up of a bunch of european countries so i played against th multiple euro league teams in germany and uh multiple ex-nba players you know ex-college standouts i had some on my team too chris babb he played for the boston celtics yep. a few years ago so i played with them uh, he played chris babb played at penn state when i was just becoming an iu fan yep, yep, mm -hmm. yep and then he went to iowa state but yeah i played with them i played with uh, jalen hudson he played in florida maybe like five or six years ago. And uh, so, yeah, I played with really good competition that kind of, you know, set me up for 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 college. Obviously, it's still a little different, but uh, the experience I, I had were, were crazy. You know, I, I came in as a 17-year-old and all of those guys are making, you know, huge money, living with their families. And I'm, I'm just there, a little kid practicing with them, trying to earn my minutes. And uh, I'm very thankful of how it turned out. Uh, and I got lucky to be able to, play you know which is which is rare but i i got some minutes and that was a really valuable experience and you're you're playing against full-grown men too yep yep were you there on your own did you have family come with you and what's that like culture change like coming from lithuania to germany um i was there i was there on my own uh i, I went there when i was i had just turned 16 when i left and uh the culture change wasn't too bad because I mean, obviously the language is different. I didn't speak it when I got there, uh, but it's still Europe. You know, it's not like I came into a whole new world. So uh, I didn't I didn't really feel out of place and uh, I found some great friends there. So the whole, you know, integration was was not that hard. And I felt at home, you know, within within three months. Let's uh, let's move on to I'm personally most excited about talking about this now that you um, are at Butler. Can you just talk about like when when you decided to come to the U.S. to play in college, and and what was what about Butler that you know when they were recruiting you? What made you choose choose them? Well, the the decision was made very early in my life. You know, my my dad was a huge fan of NCAA basketball, not in terms of watching, but just the whole concept. And he thought, you know, 
that that would be the best path for, for my career, uh, like back in, you know, I don't know, 2010, when I was really young. So the decision was kind of made that if we have an opportunity that's good for us, that we're going to take it. And uh, once that time came, uh, yeah, Butler reached out. And uh, compared to other schools, I feel like I made the best connection with uh, with the coaches, which was the most important thing for me. You know, it wasn't about the status of the school, the facilities, but it was about the connection and, you know, trust with the coaches. It's also for my father because you know he's sending me across the across the ocean all by myself and you know basically my basketball career also relies on it so it was uh it was very important for us to send to come to the right people and uh yeah i think we made the we made the right choice um I, i'm just curious who was your main uh coach like who who was the guy that recruited you was it ragland or yeah, was yeah it was it? coach ragland yeah uh, okay so and uh, so excited that he was going to stay on staff and now he's at Evansville, which is awesome for him. That's a, that's a great opportunity, yeah. obviously. But, um, I was just curious. So, uh, what, when you, when you came to Butler, did you have, were there any difficulties adjusting to the, you know, the different style that's played in, in division one college basketball? What were some of the challenges you faced? I mean, uh, everybody here was more athletic. So in the beginning, it kind of maybe sped, sped me up because I was like, also, I was a little nervous, you know, coming out my, my first game in the starting lineup. And uh, so, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. And uh, yeah, I feel like I got sped up. And uh, then, yeah, after, after a, a few games, I kind of got used to it. And I told myself, I'm like, I belong at this level. You know, there's no reason for me to, 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 to let them, you know, get me off my game. And then I, I adjusted and I feel like it's, it's, it's been all right. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I, Sabonis was on the Pacers. He was our best player for a few years, Lithuanian. I don't know if you guys have ever crossed paths, but from what I've heard, basketball's huge in Lithuania. I, you know, it's European. I always assume, you, you know, they're into soccer. Were you, you know, a standout soccer player? Was basketball always your first choice? And also with that question, you know, Lithuania is huge into basketball. Was that transition to Indiana, which is huge into basketball, was that kind of a fun, you know, process getting to like experience fans who love basketball the same way people do in Lithuania? Mm, yeah, for sure. That was that was a fun process. You know, I love I love playing in Hinkle. To be honest, I love playing in most most arenas because the fans everywhere were pretty crazy. It's a it's a fun experience home or away. And uh so yeah, uh, but I definitely like that Indiana is, and especially Butler, such a basketball school and a basketball state. And uh, but yeah, in Lithuania, basketball is like a second religion. That's what they call it. So I didn't even have a choice. I mean, obviously, my dad's a coach, and uh, I'm born in Lithuania, so every, everyone plays basketball over there. Like 97 percent of the of of males, if you ask them if they played basketball growing up, everybody will say yes. So, uh, yeah, and it wasn't like I was forced to, you know, I, I love basketball. Uh, so um, in terms of soccer, uh, soccer is not popular in Lithuania at all. We, we suck. We, we are bad at it. We are so bad at it. I tell people that if I, if I started playing soccer right now, I would go straight into the national team. That's how bad we are. So, yeah, never and even thought about it. I, I I did see some of the intramural soccer games that you were in. I I, I was I was impressed personally by your uh, by your soccer ability. So um, oh, I was not on that oh, team, wow. but I saw those games. So 
did we did we mention it or do we just talk ahead of time that CMOS was your intramural basketball coach for one game? Oh, was it mean, just one game? It was just one game. So are you is that the only experience you've had coaching basketball, CMOS? Is Tyler uh one of the greatest basketball players you've ever coached? I'll answer that second one for you, but go ahead, yeah. That is the only experience I've had coaching basketball and uh Tyler is definitely top 20 players I've ever coached. <laughs> well, to give reference, there was about 13 kids on that team. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, top 20 is not bad. Definitely top 13. Uh, I was just hearing about this game before the podcast. You guys were down with four minutes left with a, a nonstop clock, or four minutes left, and you're down 15. Yeah. And about, you guys yeah. won. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's your coaching mentality in that situation, Seamus? I mean, how do you rally the troops? you know, to go out there and not give up in that dire situation? To be honest, all I did was just sub in Tyler and uh, <laughs> we hey. just won the game. I don't even remember how it happened. He did. He told us to start pressing like crazy. I mean, and we, we got, I swear we had five, five straight possessions where we got steals and easy layups. And I like that was not my only experience coaching basketball. I just right now got back from a, a Butler camp with the little kids and uh, I won a championship this week with fifth and sixth graders so yeah but i wouldn't call it coaching really i just like make subs and tell them they're doing a good job so yeah so based on your history i mean is it tough not having tyler to sub in to help you win a game (laughs) it was definitely tough it was definitely tough hey that's a league that sounds like i could win right there the fifth and sixth grade league i I do think i could i could score about 20 in that one yeah that uh, Um, is, is your level (laughs) <laughs> so let's talk about your freshman season at butler which was last season um you know you said you had to catch up to the speed a little bit towards the end of the season like i had mentioned earlier you obviously had caught up at least enough because you put up 27 points against xavier who was the favorite in that first round matchup of the biggest tournament let's let's talk about that first season you know where did you start out as far as expectations goes from your coaches did you think you were going to have an opportunity towards the end of the season, or I guess even towards the middle of the season, to play a major role on this team? I always thought I have that opportunity. You know, I came here with the with the mindset, and I was, you know, during the recruiting process, I was very vocal about that. I'm I'm not trying to sit on the bench. I'm trying to come in and contribute immediately. And uh, yeah, I'm glad the coaches noticed that I'm capable of doing that. And uh, so yeah, I always I always had that mentality and uh, thought that I will be able to play a big part in the team's success. Who was one of the players on the team that really pushed you throughout the season too? Maybe it was like a close friendship or even like a subconscious rivalry. I wouldn't say really rivalry, but uh, obviously all all of us freshmen, four freshmen, DJ, Jaden, Pierce, and me were really close and uh, had and had a good relationship throughout the season. And in terms of basketball, I would also name us freshmen, uh, Chuck, Miles Tate, too. Uh, they like we really work hard and, you know, everybody's in the gym almost too much. So that never really lets you, you know, be sitting and chilling like because, you know, somebody else is at the gym. And if you don't go, then you're behind. So so it was kind of kind of a good competition, basically. But it wasn't a rivalry. It was us pushing each other to get better. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to really help us next season and and in the long run so let's say the whole team does a 1v1 tournament all right um who 
would win. And did we have him rank? No, we asked him who would win the whole thing, and he ranked the entire team. Yeah, he did. That's what it was. He just started ranking people. But it's we're okay with just telling us who you think will win. But if you want to rank, if you want to like seed everyone, that's fine too. It's it's totally up to you. To preface it, to Miles Tate put himself as one. I'm pretty sure you were top five. I can't totally remember right now, but he had himself at one. Just you can keep that in mind. Okay, uh, I have myself at one too. <laughs> I don't know if you're surprised by that, but I would definitely say I would win. Then, uh, I don't know. It, it depends on the format, too. You know, depends on the seating. So, but I think, I, I don't think I can do a rank, but maybe I can do tiers or like who I think would be the m- most capable of of winning and the hardest to, to play against. So I think obviously Chuck, Jaden, Mostly, you know, guards, guards, wings that are shifty and, you know, are used to playing one-on-one. You know, if you give Manny Bates the ball uh, one-on-one, I don't think he's going to, unless he just wants to post you up and just go dunk the ball, then I guess he can do that. But I would, say, I would rank probably, obviously, I'll say I'll win. Then uh, Chuck, Miles, Jaden, uh, Pierce, too. I've been playing one-on-one against Pierce a lot, and he's really, you know, Everybody knows how he, uh, athletic he is, but because he redshirted, nobody really knows how how skilled he he is and how how much better he's gotten throughout that last year. So I think he's going to take a lot of people by surprise. But he would definitely be a be some good competition in one on one because he's he's a good defender too. So I feel like those. I don't know. I don't know if I'm forgetting anybody. That's why that's why I don't want to do a rank because I'll definitely forget somebody and like completely mess up the whole the whole thing. So let's actually talk about that last season or your first season a little bit more. Um, and, you know, so you averaged 7.1 points, 3.4 rebounds, 1.2 assists and 22 minutes played. You got better throughout the season, which is expected as a freshman. And, you know, the offseason comes, you put your name in the transfer portal. Thad Mata signs on. I, I'm, I don't want to breeze over this. I want to go over all this in a minute. But, you know, all that stuff's happening. We're going to talk about it. But what... Uh, are some of the things that you took away from that season as far as your game, where your skill set is, and then what are you know some of the focuses of the off season? You know things that you're trying to get better for next season. Uh, well, the first thing I took away is that you know the way I played in in some of those games, my best games, I feel like I can do that throughout the whole season consistently, and that you know consistency was the biggest issue for me. I think it was it was difficult because we had, you know, so many seniors and not really a set role. So, you know, one day Boha just goes off and gets, you know, a bunch of shots. Then the next day, Chuck, and it's like really inconsistent. So it's hard to, you know, even expect what you're you don't even know what you're expected to do on the court. So you're kind of just running, running, running out there, which is maybe why it was difficult to stay consistent for me. And uh, but, yeah, the biggest issue is consistency and uh as far as what I want to work on is I'll say everything because I don't really want to, you know, prior, I'm going to say maybe my body and, you know, conditioning and getting even stronger and faster. I feel like that's what I want to do, but I don't want to put it above everything else either. So I'll say everything, you know, cause I, I think I can be a way better shooter too. 29% is not where I'm supposed to be at. Um, I want to get more assists, you know, I want to be able to create every possession down the court. So, yeah. And I mean, although you, you do talk about inconsistency, there were some flashes of, of real greatness and, and we definitely saw that. And, um, for example, let's go back. I know we kind of touched on this like a little bit earlier, but let's go back to that Xavier 
Um, you had 27 points in that in that Big East tournament game against Xavier, and very nearly next game knocked off Providence. It was very, very that would have been a been a huge win. But just talk about you know you're you were put in a really high pressure situation and um, in overtime uh, with seniors fouling out that game ahead of you or you know the, some of the older guys fouling out. So can you just talk about what gives you the confidence to go out there and perform in, in high pressure situations like that? Uh, I mean, I don't know what, what gives me the confidence, but I feel like I've, I've been like that my whole life and, you know, I'm not shy away from high pressure situations. And I feel like in the, in those clutch moments, I, I really want the ball. So that helps. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't really tell you what gives me the confidence, but it's just how I've been my whole life, how, how I've been raised, I guess. And, uh, and yeah, so I pride myself in being able to deliver during those moments. Do you believe in those situations too, that you're the best guy on the court or is that just like something you can't let yourself think? The best, I mean, not only in those situations, you have to think that you're the best guy on the court. I mean, even if it's like outrageous, even if I'm on the court with, you know, LeBron, uh, I probably will, will still think it, even though it's outrageous. But uh, if you're not, then I don't think you're going to do well during that game. But you have to come out with that mentality, no matter how how ridiculous it might be. So let's talk about after the season. You had that amazing game. You get knocked off by Providence. You enter the offseason. The coach leaves and, you know, the program seems like it could be in flux with, you know, a handful of you guys saying that you're entering the transfer portal. I can't think of everyone who entered it i the only name i could think of is bryce golden going to loyola chicago yeah 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 i was the only other one (laughs) nobody else entered yeah so you uh you know you had put your name in the transfer portal i was curious to see what happened i I think you're that kind of swiss army knife type of player who can do it all on the court i thought there would be a market for you but when thad mata became the coach you know that's a lot of pedigree there it seemed like it would be a really smart move for you to come back and correct me if I'm wrong, is that kind of what influenced your decision? If not, I mean, what what was kind of that process like? I mean, obviously the the new head coach that influenced my decision heavily because that was basically the whole reason I was in the transfer portal. My intention wasn't really to to leave Butler as soon as I put my name in. It was just because, you know, Coach Val got fired and now everything is uncertain. You know, we don't have we have six players on the roster. We don't have a coaching staff. Nobody knows anything. So I don't want to be in a, in a situation where a new coach gets hired and I'm just stuck here because I was here before. So I put my name in there as like protection. And I wasn't really looking to leave, but I was just looking to wait for who the new coach is for you know, what the plans are for, for me, for, for the roster and for the rest of the coaching staff. And, uh, you know, I waited it, I waited it out and uh, I was satisfied with what coach Mata built here. These, these transfers that have come in, there's been so many, uh, Ali Ali, Eric Hunter, Jr., Manny Bates, Jalen Thomas. Um, can you just talk about like, have you been able to develop a good relationship with those guys and how's it been just to see all these new faces come into the program? Yeah, for sure. Uh, like I said, after the season ended, you know, we were left with six, seven players from, from last year and all of us had a very good relationship. So when the transfers were coming in, like we obviously we know about their basketball ability, but everybody was thinking, you know, how are they going to gel because we have such a good chemistry. 
and uh, I'm very happy with how everything went. Every all of them are are great guys, and and uh, I've already built a, a great relationship with them, which I think is going to really help us next season. I feel like the whole locker room locker room is is very close, and uh, yeah, I really like them. Thad Mata, like we said, is your new coach. What are some of the expectations? for you from just your conversations that you've had with him and the rest of the coaching staff? Well, the expectations are, you know, he, he needs pros on his team and he, he thinks I can be one of those pros. And, uh, you know, it's all up to me how I develop throughout the summer and, uh, and how I perform. But uh, I believe in myself that I can, I can do that. And I, and I want to play a big role next year in a, in a successful team. So, yeah, uh, I, think, I think there's a good chance of that happening. How many steps are you away from competing with the Lithuanian national team? Uh, I'm actually, this is an interesting question because I have two nationalities, which is Lithuanian and German. I have my German passport because of my mother. And uh, so I was, I'm supposed to pick between which country I want to play for. So when you ask how many steps I am away from playing for the Lithuanian national team, I'm about 2 million steps because I've picked Germany. So uh, I won't play for the Lithuanian national team. I, I have talked to them and they didn't want me last year. And uh, so, yeah, but they, they, know, they know my decision. They respect it. And uh, yeah, with the German national team, we'll, we'll see how it goes. There, there's a tournament this summer for the under 20 team. I was invited, but obviously, you know, with the new coach coming, I want to I wanna kind of prioritize Butler and I have big plans for next season. So I'd rather I'd rather focus on development and then, you know, hopefully German national team comes 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 down the way a little later. Okay, so let's talk about your goals going forward then. So, you know, you're saying you have big plans for this season with Butler, but I I can't imagine you're just thinking about this upcoming season only. You know, you are looking forward, I'm sure, towards what the pros could look like and is the NBA your ultimate goal or what are kind of your targets right now? Like what's in your sights? I mean, in my sights, obviously it's next season, but if you're asking me about uh, further down the road, uh, obviously NBA is, is where I want to be. And, uh, but I don't want to, you know, come out and say, say, Oh yeah, I want to be NBA this and that in five years and average this and that. I just want to, develop and become the the best player that I can possibly be and uh yeah w- w- whatever level that is uh I- I'd be okay with that but I I expect and hope that it will be it will be the NBA that is my ultimate goal who is your hardest cover in the big east this past season like what player hardest cover uh mm. I don't know. Well, sometimes I was playing the four, so I would have to guard like Jack Nungy, who's like seven foot one. So that was pretty tough. But I, I wouldn't say he's like the most, you know, skilled. He would just just be bigger than me and get an offensive rebound and score. But I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say he was the the hardest cover in terms of you know skill. Uh, let me think. I mean, yeah, Champagne was was pretty good. He can just shoot over you, and uh, he's a he's a skilled guy. But yeah, it's it's a hard. It's a hard question. I never even really thought about it. Well, okay, just based on teams you played against, who was maybe you weren't covering them then? Who was just like the best player you saw this past season? I, I really liked RJ Cole, not even from playing against him, but from also watching some of the UConn games. Uh, maybe an unpopular answer, but uh, 
I feel like he was one of the main guys on that team. And well, he obviously was, but uh, I don't think they, they would be the, they, they would have been the same without him. Cause he like kind of made everything go. I mean, man, we're rooting for you big time next year. I know Tyler is, I should probably just let Tyler do this outro. Cause he's your biggest fan, but <laughs> hey, um, appreciate it. yeah, no, we're, we're so excited to, to see this new team. And um, it was funny when you were just talking like right there at the end, just that simple thing about how you having guard the four, like that's not even going to be on your radar this year. You know what I mean? You've got those guys now. I mean, what what was the tallest guy starting last year? It was six nine, right? Probably yeah. Golden or Enzi. But so now that's just not something you have to worry about, right? You get to play your true role. And you know, I'm so excited for this Butler team. And and yeah, you were great to talk to. Thanks so much for for coming on and um just sitting down with us and talking some basketball. We appreciate it. Thank you guys too. All right, thanks again to CMOS. That was a blast. I have only watched him play a few times, but from the few games that I've watched him. He's been amazing and definitely one of those guys that you notice when you're watching him play. He stood out. Tyler, I know you watch him play a lot as a diehard Butler fan, as maybe the only Butler fan I know. Um, yes, I mean, am absolutely. I wrong in my assessment of CMOS? No. L- listen, I really believe that if we're talking, you know, this is a Pacers podcast. Let's, let's, let's even talk about the pros. CMOS has every skill set that, uh, that any NBA team would want in a pro guard, a hundred percent, whether it's IQ passing ability. Um, he did talk about his shooting, maybe it needs to get a little better, but I mean, really he's a guy you want on your team for sure. He's a guy you want with the ball in his hands. So, I mean, yeah, I also should have said this to him because he said he's going to try to play for the German national team, or at least he's been in talks with them. Listen to this depth chart. So they're starting five and then bench is what I'll read. So Daniel Tice, Maxi Kleber, Franz Wagner, Isaac Bonga, Dennis Schroeder, all NBA guys bench is Isaiah Hartenstein, Mo Wagner, Paul Zipser, and just other guys that I haven't heard of, but a bunch of NBA talent there. So might not be a bad choice. I'm sure even communicating with those guys too, if he gets that opportunity, will be huge for his career. I agree with you though. I mean, I, I think he at least showed flashes this freshman year of what he can become. And uh, I, I think I'd be excited if I was a Butler fan for sure. But anyway, Tyler, as always, thanks for joining this podcast again. I love that we're talking to Butler guys because, you know, we, we get a chance to hang out and just talk hoops. It's a blast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's better than just hanging out for 40 minutes and talking all kinds of basketball with these guys? Yeah, this is your dream. This it, is my dream. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm, I have connections. I'm making calls to Butler guys and you get to meet them. I'm along for the ride. <laughs> That's basically what it is. I'm loving it, though. I love it. All right. Let's talk NBA draft now. The Pacers finished the 21-22 season with the fifth best odds to get the number one overall pick after the lottery the Pacers walked away with number six and we just turned that pick into Benedict Matherin who if you followed along with you know all the news that's come out recently about who he is as a player person and um, potential who he can become then I'm sure you're like me and you're so excited I don't want to fall victim to this excitement like we have in the past, but you know, I feel like with some of the bad picks that we've taken in recent years, which there has been a handful, I feel like we knew in the moment that they weren't great picks. I hate kicking a dead horse so much, but or beating a dead horse so much, but TJ Leaf, we knew in the moment that that wasn't a great pick with who was still available. And I mean, I'm still holding hope out for Goga. 
I might just be doing it because I, I like him as a, I don't know, a, a person more than anything. And he's shown flashes. But, and I don't know him personally. This is just based on you know, watching him for a few years and seeing interviews and stuff like that. But I'm still holding out hope for that. Obviously, there were probably better players after him. But, you know, in recent years, the picks haven't been great is what I'm trying to get at. And we have known in the moment. However, this Benedict Matherin pick seems like a ton of fun. I really am excited about his upside. There was a story that came out. They were doing a 25 three-point shot attempt at his workout with the Pacers. You're supposed to hit 20, and then you can ring a bell, something like that. He didn't get to the 20 that he wanted, so he left, but then came back, went to Coach Carlisle and said, hey, I really want to get this before I go. I guess no one's ever done that for Carlisle before. He let him go again. He got to the number that you're supposed to get at to ring the bell. He got to ring the bell. And I think that shows a lot about his character. And obviously, it showed Coach Carlisle and the Pacers organization a lot about his character because they ended up drafting him at six overall when there were some other good guys available. But it did seem like it was all culminating to have Benedict Matherin end up in Indy. However, Sacramento did try to... Uh, let Jaden Ivey slip to us. So the we'll just go through the top 10 picks real quick. So Magic took Paolo Bancaro. Thunder took Chet Holmgren. Rockets took Jabari Smith. Kings, who didn't get Jaden Ivey's medicals or an interview with Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey just did not want to go to Sacramento. The Kings actually just passed up on that opportunity. I would probably be scared too in that moment. Maybe I love Jaden Ivey, but if he doesn't want to play there, you know how the NBA is now. It's player empowerment, and I don't know. That risk is kind of wild. However, they took Keegan Murray at four, which I am not a big Keegan Murray fan coming out of this draft. I think four is way too high for him, but I guess the Kings see something in him that they could uh, want going forward. I think was it? I think Kendrick Perkins compared him to Kevin Garnett, maybe, which is ridiculous to me, but. I think he had the biggest or the best PER in the NCAA last year at 37. So there is upside potentially. And Sabonis is there to help him kind of grow as a player too. So I don't want to rag on it too much, but they did let Jaden Ivey fall to fifth, which is where we were supposed to draft originally. However, the lottery order shook things up. Pistons got that pick. We moved down a spot. And Jaden Ivey went to Detroit, which is a great situation for him. Um, and gets to play off ball, create shots, and grow alongside Cade Cunningham, who's going to get Jaden Ivey involved like crazy. So great spot for Jaden Ivey to fall, which leads to the Pacers at number six, where we took Benedict Matherin from Arizona. Pac-12 player of the year last season as a sophomore. He's only 20 years old. His shooting numbers are good. He projects to be a good defender. I think there's still a lot um, to desire with his defense right now, but he can create his own shot. He works hard, and I am super excited about this pick. And at six foot seven, I mean, he is a shooting guard, but he's six foot seven with the six foot nine wingspan. And uh, I mean, there's already a lot of upside there, but like I said, he's a great scorer alongside a player like Halliburton who gets his teammates involved and can play off ball. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about Halliburton in the past, but the more and more I think about it, the more crazy it is that we got a player like him in the trade that we did with Sacramento. But yeah, Halliburton's not only a great player on ball, but he's one of the rare types that can play off ball really well. 
at the same time. So Matherin there, put him in the backcourt with Halliburton. I think that's going to be a dynamic duo, and it's going to be a ton of fun watching them grow going forward. Plus, we get Chris Duarte, who I still love. I know there's some Pacers fans out there that aren't super excited about him in the same way that we once were. But, I mean, a lot of the sitting out stuff came from the top. Like, you don't want to have your best players in if you're trying to get better draft picks. So, yeah, I know he didn't play a lot last year. He'll be healthy. I think. Um, I think. But, yeah, let's just assume he's going to be healthy for this. I mean, great scorer right there. Great defender. And those three, super exciting. Plus, throw in TJ McConnell. Man, that's a dynamic uh, backcourt of uh, your guard rotation. So. I'm joking about T.J. McConnell. I do love him as a player. But going forward, those three, plus Isaiah Jackson, O'Shea Brissett, I mean, he's still 23 years old. Blows my mind when I see how young he still is. Last season at Arizona, Benedict Matherin averaged 17.7 points to go along with 2.5 assists, 5.6 rebounds, one steal a game, shot 76 from the free throw line, 37 from three, and... 52% from two point from uh, just two point shots. So his three point percentage dipped from freshman to sophomore year, but sophomore he was taking bigger shots and bigger moments. Took 6.1 threes a game sophomore year compared to the 3.5 his freshman year. So, you know, that dipped, but still 37% from three is really good. I expect that to translate. I don't know if I said this, but his freshman year at Arizona, he shot 41.8% from three. So spot up threes was, he, he was stellar. He was also the, uh, 91st projected uh, high school or 91st ranked high school recruit coming into the 2020 uh, NCAA season. So showed growth throughout that process. I mean, wasn't highly ranked, but developed as a player and sophomore year became Pac-12 player of the year. Crazy. That shows that he can develop quickly and is coachable as well. So you love to see that. I think Victor Oladipo, when I see it, you know, Victor Oladipo was a three-star recruit coming into Indiana, ended up being the second overall draft pick. So all this to say, I am really excited about Benedict Matherin getting picked by the Pacers at number six. And I think his fit alongside this young core with Halliburton, Duarte, and Isaiah Jackson is going to go swimmingly. Let's talk about the other picks now, too. So we got Andrew Nimhard at number 30 in the NBA draft. He was the point guard for Gonzaga this past season, who just had a lot of mouths to feed on that team. I, I think Chet Holmgren was like the third or fourth option on that roster. But Nimhard was the senior guard or junior guard. It's I'm really confused by the whole COVID gaining an extra year thing, like what to even call these players. But he's a 22-year-old guard from Gonzaga. And played at Florida as well uh, to start his career. But let's see. So, yeah, four seasons. So, played two years at Florida, two years at Gonzaga. Um, really good floor general. Malcolm Brogdon kind of archetype there. You know, point guard for really good school. But kept the team focused and held the team together in a lot of ways, too. You see a lot of guys like this. Like Jalen Brunson was that way. Fred Van Vliet, too, at Wichita State. It's those upperclassmen guards that can lead your team really far and deep into the NCAA tournament. So Andrew Nimhard's that type of player, and I think he's going to have a long career in the NBA because of that skill set that he has. He can run the second unit for your team. He's not coming to Indiana to be the starting point guard. 
because, I mean, that's pretty obvious. We have Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte, and Benedict Matherin now ahead of him. He's going to have to fight for minutes alongside TJ McConnell. And if we keep Brogdon, too, I mean, he's going to have to fight for minutes alongside that. I would say there's a 110% chance we we don't have Malcolm Brogdon to start next season. But you, you never know. You never know. So, yeah, Andrew Nimhart, I'm excited about that pick. I want to talk about the last one we made too which was number 48 no no yeah number 48 we got Kendall Brown from Baylor we we also had the 58th pick which was the last there was the Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry I think the Heat and the Bulls maybe were the two teams that lost their draft picks because of uh, collusion with you know signing players or talking to players before they were supposed to Kyle Lowry and Lonzo Ball were those players so there was only 58 picks in this draft. We got the last one, but traded it till Milwaukee. So the last pick was Kendall Brown, like I said, from Baylor. He was the number 10 recruit coming into the 2021 season. Um, so let's see, just some of the names listed ahead of him in order. So Chet Holmgren, Jaden Hardy, Paolo Bencaro, Jabari Smith, those are top four. Patrick Baldwin, Kennedy Chandler, Caleb Houston, Peyton Watson, J.D. Davidson, and then Kendall Brown to Baylor he struggled at times this season for Baylor but I mean that team was pretty much loaded with talent and I think just had a hard time standing out I love this late pick though of Kendall Brown at 48 just going on pedigree I think if you're drafting this late into the NBA draft and you're just going to throw a second round pick out there why not get the freshman that had a ton of pedigree I don't know if you remember the Cassius Stanley pick we weren't excited about that at the moment but this pick isn't the same. He was higher ranked coming out of high school than Cassius Stanley and at least showed some good flashes for scoring. He's not just an athletic freak like Cassius Stanley, who I'm still rooting for. I, I hope he can make it. I just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes for him. But yeah, Kendall, Kendall Brown, I mean, let him spend some time in the G League with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, see what he has, and maybe he can get an opportunity at some point to really develop as a player in the Indiana Pacers organization. All right, I just want to talk about a few more things that has come out recently. This I'm recording this a week after the NBA draft. The Pacers have exercised the team option for O'Shea Brissett. It's only worth $1.8 million. I think they would have been crazy to not exercise that option. Man, $1.8 million for O'Shea Brissett. You love that. The regular set of names are being uh, floated around in trade rumors as well. Miles Turner's the biggest of those. I think he's been in trade rumors for, is he an eight-year player now? So probably seven years, and it hasn't stopped. So yeah, he's still getting thrown out there for trade rumors. But then you're also getting Malcolm Brogdon, who I said a minute ago is definitely going to get traded. And then Buddy Heald, the Lakers are showing some interest in Buddy Heald, is what this uh, reporter is talking about, Matt Moore from Action Network. That's, you know, it might not just be, it's probably not just the Lakers and the Lakers might not even be interested, but he healed showed a lot of good signs last season in parts of his game that he hadn't shown in recent years in Sacramento. You know, he's a shot creator for other players and was driving to the basket. And that wasn't something that you thought of Buddy healed as um, maybe in New Orleans for that first season, definitely at Oklahoma. But when you're thinking about him as a player, it's a three point specialist. Now in Indiana, he was showing that he can create for others, average five assists a game for Indiana, and really shot his trade market through the roof. I do think, though, with this Matherin pick and Duarte coming back healthy, 
this could be a opportunity for the Pacers to capitalize on a Buddy Heald trade, maybe find a desperate team that's trying to get back into title contention or a really good team that's just missing one piece. I mean, Buddy Heald could be that guy for a lot of teams. And could we pluck some good young talent or draft picks away from teams? I think so. I mean, this is a rebuilding organization still. I mean, uh, you can't really expect the wins to be much greater than they were this past season for Indiana. We still have that young team. I mean, Tyrese, I really think Tyrese Halliburton is going to take a huge step this year. But like I said, we're a young team. And we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. My expectations are, though, that we will still be a miss the playoff team, not even play in game, and hopefully get a good pick in next year's draft. Maybe get Victor Wimbanyana number one overall. That'd be amazing. Probably won't happen. All that to say, though, Buddy Heald will probably get a ton of calls, or the Pacers will get a ton of calls about Buddy Heald in the next few weeks. I would think that the Pacers listen to every single trade offer, every single team that's interested, because you never know what is out there. I mean, if we could get a couple of first round picks for him, which I think is a great value for him, but I think it's a fair value for him too. So uh, I think if we can get a couple first rounders, uh, I think that might be something good to think about. We'll, we'll see. I really like him as a player though. And if he's on the Pacers next season, I won't be mad about that. And then finally, Brian Windhorst, who I've trusted ever since he's, uh, I guess he's, he really made it to the top on LeBron's coattails. He was his reporter, and I hate even saying that because Brian Windhorst has some great connections. I always trust what he says. He just said on DeAndre Aiden, I'd keep an eye on Indiana. So that's his thoughts right now. That just came out. This I'm recording this on June 30th on a Thursday. Two hours ago, he said, I'd keep an eye on Indiana for DeAndre Aiden. If Indiana were to get DeAndre Aiden Obviously, alongside Halliburton, Matherin, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, like that's all of a sudden one of the better young cores in the NBA. And I mean, that team could, I mean, it's probably still just a play-in team at this point, but just at least going forward, projections going forward, man, that would be a fun team. I really like DeAndre Ayton, though. I've talked myself into it. Uh, into him as a player more and more in recent weeks because of the Pacers rumors. But I don't think that's crazy because we've seen him in big moments in the NBA playoffs show out. That's pretty much it though. I mean, the the only other piece of rumor or the only other, not pizza rumor, the only other rumor that I'd heard was Miles Bridges was showing strong interest in Indiana and it was reciprocated by Indiana. He just got a felony charge though. And I would expect the Pacers to back off any potential of signing him to their organization for this upcoming season. All right, I'm going to wrap this thing up. Thanks again to CMOS. Thanks again to my brother, Tyler, for joining me for another Butler player interview, which we've done three now. It's kind of wild. We'll see who we get next. Um, But yeah, thanks again, CMOS, like I said, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the All Pacers pod. If you haven't already, go leave us a five-star review on your podcast, on your preferred podcast listening platform. Follow as well, all.pacers on Instagram. That's a ton of fun. That's a great community. If you're a Pacer fan and you aren't following them, you're missing out. We have a blast over there. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'm Jack, your host. Peace out. You want me, Joel?
beat, come get it, cause I'm gonna give it to you. Are you kidding me? Sabonis brought it to him.